there. Welcome to the Female Empowerment Podcast. My name is Carly, and I'm a big believer in actively bringing about more goodness to our communities. It feels good to know that we're not alone and that someone else out there has experienced the same challenge we're facing now. Whether those challenges are related to business, motherhood, or general life as a woman, this podcast is a platform that I've created to allow women to share their inspirational stories and greatest business tips to help make your day just a little bit better and your life just a little bit easier. Keep listening to learn from our amazing guest of the day and be sure to share this episode with a friend. Hi friends. I, as always, I'm super pumped to introduce my next guest to you. Her name is Jennifer Bilger and she is a business and sales consultant as well as a speaker. And I'm really excited to have her here because she's going to tell us a little bit about what she specializes in. But before we get to that, I'll give you a little insight into her with her bio. So Jennifer Bilger is a speaker, certified behavioral consultant, coach, and owner of the Growth Coach Denver Metro. She has a unique focus on the behavioral side of business that not only enables leaders and business owners to discover their why, but also helps them utilize their strengths to enhance their communication and interactions, adapt and adjust to overcome obstacles, and choose the best path to lead them to success. With a collaborative approach, Jennifer helps professionals learn the best methods to resolve issues, meet goals, grow revenue, connect with others, and build solid relationships. Thank you so much for being here, Jennifer. I am so excited to be here today. So thank you for having me as a guest. Oh, my pleasure. Um, To start off, I'd love to hear how you got into this industry and how you became a coach. Oh, well... You know, after many years, I was working in the corporate world. I worked in HR, uh, and it became one of those things where a lot of the times the advice that I was giving out to people was, if you say the phrase, I have to do something, you're not in the right profession. You're not in the right role. You're not working at the right company. And But for years, I would say things like, well, in HR, you have to do this thing called termination, and I have to do the terminations to do the stuff that I love. And because you can't do HR otherwise, because it's a part of what, you're, what you do. Uh, you're, you're bringing people into the company, you're making offers, you're helping them, you're advising them, you're, you're helping them solve problems and all these wonderful things that I love doing and helping them understand who they were, who they were dealing with and how to best get onto the right paths towards success. If that's solving a problem, if that's helping them with, you know, who their employees were and things like that. But then I had to do this one thing where I absolutely hated it, where it just kind of would just take a piece of my soul each and every time I was doing it. And in my last corporate position, um, I had to, we were, we went through a big merger and I had to lay off over 300 people and it just broke me. And, uh, you know, so it was 300 people over an 18 month span. I had to hire just as many and even more people during that time frame as well. And I was more in the part of my career where I was more in the strategic side of things but I still was overseeing a lot of this and it was 
doing this one task that I hated doing. So in HR, you might have to terminate one person a quarter or one person a month even in larger organizations, but you get to do everything else the rest of the time. So there's a really good balance there. But in that last role that I had in that 18 month span, it was, it just really broke me. And I actually took my own advice and when I stopped, when I started saying, I have to get it, I have to go to work, I have to do this, I can't believe I have to lay off 20 people this week. And I started saying that over and over again, I actually woke up one day and said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I can't. And decided to take the pieces that I loved and create a company out of it. So that's what I do now. I, I get to do what my passion is, which is helping people solve problems, really figure out what the best path is for them, defining who they are, and not walking down a path to success that somebody else created. They get to create their own. And it just really goes into what my true passion is. And that's why I did HR for so many years. And, and what I've always wanted to do is help people. I just don't have to fire people because I'm the only person in my company right now. So <laughs> it's one of those things that when I left the corporate world, I said, if I ever have to fire somebody ever again, it's going to be my own decision. I am the only one that's going to be involved in it. And it's something that, you know, I'm not going to have to do if I don't want to do it. Because in the corporate world, there's a lot of times where it's not your decision to fire somebody. You're the person who's doing the administration part of it, even though you're advising along in that process. And a lot of times your advice is taken to heart and they utilize that heavily. You're not the person making the final call and you're signing off on somebody else's decision and making sure it's done the proper way. So, so that's how I got to where I am today. I think that's really cool how you were able to identify I don't enjoy my work anymore because of this thing and being able to say it's because this is something I have to do and not something that I want to do. And it just got to the point where um, you just couldn't do it anymore. I think that's really inspiring that you had the courage to move away from your job and to start something on your own because that's very risky and very, um, but it's very rewarding at the same time, you know, high risk, high reward. And it's, I can tell that you're really happy where you are and I can tell that you have a gift for relationships and communicating with people, which is something that I personally really value. <laughs> and I think that's really awesome. <laughs> Thank you. And it was one of those things, like I said, for years, I would tell people, if you keep saying, I have to do this, if I, ha I have to work on this project or I have to work with this person or I have to go to work this week, you know, I have to get up on Monday and go to work, it, you're not in the right place. You should say, I get to. And I get to work with so many amazing people. I get to share this wonderful passion that I have with others. I get to advise. I get to share knowledge with them on how to find success and define who they truly are and use that to their advantage. So, and it's not often, you know, it's high risk, high reward. I'm, I'm somebody who I feel like I take calculated risks. So I kind of weigh the pros and cons and say, okay, this is the right way for me to go. A lot of people just think I'm a risk taker though. <laughs> I truly think things through. It just, 
Um, but it's it's one of those things, not many people can cherry pick what they want to do and, and turn a career, um, turn it into a career. And I was fortunate enough and lucky enough to have that opportunity. That's very true. Um, you are a perfect guest for my podcast because you specialize in helping other people figure out why they're doing what they're doing. And I love that you have your own experience to really back that up because it's so important to feel driven, to feel motivated, to enjoy what you're doing every day. Um, or else things will just be, you know, really stressful. You'll have experience more negativity in your life and maybe not enjoy it as much. And you're a perfect guest because I talk about this with my clients a lot. Like what's your why, what's motivating you in your business. And then we tap into that when I create their designs but I'd love to hear from your perspective why knowing your why <laughs> is important and how we can identify that. So it, understanding your why is truly tapping into that passion. And the reason why it's so important to understand what your true passion is, is because it exudes from you. It, it makes people want to know what you do and be next to you and ask you questions and find out why you are so passionate about whatever it is that you want to do. So when I work with my clients and we're defining our whys, I do fall back on the behavioral side of business. So I do utilize assessments. That's the certified behavioral consultant part of what I do. Um, but what I really uh, do with those assessments is help them understand the how and why behind why they do the things they do, what motivates them, what drives them, what their fears are, and what their limitations are. Because understanding all of those different things together help you take advantage and utilize it to the best possible outcome, to find that path to success that is truly your path to success. And just really understand what it, what it is that you are going to do that's going to be special, that unique thing that you can do that no one else can really do the way you do it. So I always say everybody holds a special puzzle piece. And when you find the puzzle it's supposed to be in, that's where it needs to go. And it's just defining what that puzzle piece looks like. So when you're working within a team, you have a piece uh, you have something that you can do that no one else can do as well as you do it. So there's always going to be people who can do other things better than you do it. And there's always something that you do that's going to be better than everyone else. Um, I worked a lot in uh, manufacturing when I first started in human resources. I come from the Midwest and there's a lot of blue collar manufacturing and things like that. And I would oftentimes hear people say, Things like, I'm just not as good as so-and-so because they have a college education or something. And I'm like, you do something so good and so unique and so special. I can't do it. So my college education means nothing compared to what you can do in this field. So we, we all have a piece that we have that makes us special, that makes us unique, and it's, it's what we're supposed to be doing. And you just have to you just really have to embrace it and love it and understand why that's your special piece. So that's what I really do when I work with people is help them understand what their puzzle piece is and how they can contribute and where it fits in. And just because I'm saying one puzzle piece doesn't mean that puzzle piece doesn't fit into many different, different things. It's just that that's where you fit in. Um, and, you know, just really defining that, 
what it is that makes you unique and special that you can do that contributes to the best of your ability. I love that. Would you be willing to share maybe an example of somebody that you've worked with taking their skill set and helping them apply it in a way that brought them joy? You don't have to mention names or anything, of course. Absolutely. So that, you know, I, I actually can pull way back and, and, and so, so many different things. I think this is what, you know, when you, when you sit down and you really think about what you do that brings out the best in other people, I've been doing this most of my life, not understanding what I was doing most of the time. Um, but I'm going to go back to, I used to coach gymnastics. So it's one of those things where I've been coaching for so many, I had been coaching for so many years. I actually had to give it up when I was in my late twenties because I have shoulders that just are not great. Um, But I used to coach little kids. And the one thing that you learn is recognize what they're hearing from you and really how to pivot or change or adapt what you're saying to meet what they need to hear to help them. But you recognize these special skills in people. You just don't know what they are. They don't know what they are is the best way to put it. So you really kind of just start to work with somebody and you can see that skill and it's pulling that out of them and helping them understand it. So one of my favorite stories is when I was coaching um, and I was coaching really young kids and I had this little boy who was just so amazing at so many things, but he couldn't do one of the most basic things, a cartwheel. And no matter how you tried to teach him how to do it, he just wasn't capturing it. But he could do flips and somersaults, and he was just amazing on all the other equipment. And one day I was, like, watching him when he was training for other things and how he was recognizing the mechanics behind it. So he actually would break down how to do something in his head and, and put it together piece by piece. And so I walked up to him and I said, let's work on your cartwheels. And he would get this frown on his face because he didn't know what he was supposed to do. Mind you, at the time, I was probably like 14 or 15 years old. So, but I was watching how he was putting things together and just saying, I need to teach this a different way than we teach everybody else. And this is my first foray into understanding that each person needs to be taught to their ability. And as I was going through this with him, I said, you know, a cartwheel is just hand, hand, foot, foot. And he kind of looked at me and and thought about it a second. And I said, that's all it is. Hand, hand, foot, foot. And I just kept saying it over and over again. He couldn't get over how to get into the cartwheel thing. And when I broke it down for him in a different way, I just understood his skill was how his brain worked in a different manner. He went on to become an engineer because he could break down the way things worked into the simplest form and recreate it in a different way. His mind just worked in an amazing way. Somebody just had to understand how to teach him that. And, you know, he was such a little kid at the time. And I just happened to know that he went on to engineering later. Uh, But it was just one of those things that helping somebody understand how they need to break something down or how they need to put something together with the way their mind works, how we were teaching it was not the way he needed to be taught. And we just needed to understand what, what he needed to understand it a little bit better. And once we taught him, 
Every single time we had to teach him something, we would break it down. So if you're teaching, you know, like a backflip, uh, you know, teaching like a handspring. Well, in the middle of a handspring, you're in a flat board type position. So you learn how to teach it that way to somebody and say, okay, so when you're doing the handspring, the reason why you're overcorrecting is because you're bending and you shouldn't be bending. You should actually be flat in the air. So we would break it down for him in a different way and teach him in that way. So I hope that kind of answers your question of, of what you were looking for. It's just, it's just one of those things. Um, I've had other clients who I'm working with somebody right now and their mission statement is choppy and it has no flow. And it's because they're taking the pieces of the elements and they're, they're saying, okay, I, this is my passion. So I, I had them write their passion statement down. I said, when I actually tell people what my mission is, I didn't figure it out until somebody asked me what my passion was. So I kind of went through and said, okay, so my passion is to help people. And, and it just flowed out of my mouth, like, you know, so easily. And it, it didn't take a whole lot of time and thought. But every time I was trying to do the mission statement, the way somebody else taught me to write it and all the elements that were in there, it just didn't come out right. It came out like I was nervous and it came out like I was trying to remember something. And so I'm working with a client right now and I said, you just wrote these beautiful what's in it for me statements to answer questions to your clients that have inquiries. You just wrote down these beautiful, this is why I do, this is my purpose, this is why I do what I do. And I said, but your mission statement sounds like it's not you. It has nothing to do. You're, you're trying to shove too many things in there that you want to tell your clients. Your mission statement should really define what your passion is. And I said, so what's your passion? When you talk to other people, what do you tell them you do? Why do you do it? And I said, your why statement is so amazing. Your purpose statement is so amazing. You get to this mission statement and you're trying to shove too many things in there that aren't you. And I'm like, your what's in it for me statements are so amazing. Retool it. And I said, and I want you just to smile when you're saying it. I want it to bring a smile to your face. I do this because I am passionate. My mission is to empower. My mission is to do this. My mission is to put a smile on your face type thing. So. Wow. Thank you. There's, I have so many thoughts, um, <laughs> but we learned so much. So I'd love to ask then talking about understanding your puzzle piece and then how that contributes to selecting a career or a lifestyle that really supports that puzzle piece that you have, that thing that you do really well so that you can feel um, lots of joy. How can if somebody were, was struggling with that right now, let's say that they're job searching, everybody got laid off because of coronavirus, and so everyone's looking for jobs, you can take the opportunity to find a place that is better suited for you. How can you go about identifying that unique thing that you contribute so that you can feel really confident applying for positions where you can utilize that thing? So it comes from many different things. First of all, when I was working in human resources, I was fully, I was fulfilled. I loved what I did. I had passion behind it. And if you ask me if I loved what I was doing, I would tell you every day of the week I loved what I did. I would have a caveat and say, 
I don't like firing people, but I love what I do, you know, everywhere else. So it's really sitting down and, and understanding truly what you love about what you do and what you don't love about what you do. And then when you're looking for positions, uh, you know, just kind of trying to figure out if you got this job, would this be the thing that you would get up and say, I get to do this every single day? You know, are you happy? Do you, do you want to be a waitress? Is that what makes you happy? Then go be a waitress. If what makes you happy is being an aeronautical engineer, then go do that. If you love working with people and that's your passion, find people-oriented positions. Do social work. Do human resources. You know, become that person who's in customer service and own whatever you're doing. You, everybody has that puzzle piece that makes them so great at what they do. Um, my call before this was for a speaking engagement that I'm going to be doing later this year. And we were talking about the best customer service they ever had because they found out I was in telco and they wanted to tell me about their telecommunications company and how the person who was their sales rep wasn't doing their job, but the customer service really came through. Customer service is just not one of those positions where when you're a little kid, you wake up and say, when I grow up, I want to be in customer service. It's just not one of those things. Nobody says human resources either. I don't know why. Nobody ever says human resources either. So it, you just kind of have to say, I love what I get to get up and do every day and whatever that is. And it can be so many different things. But the one thing that I always caution people, don't let anybody else write that story for you. Don't let it be all about money. Don't let it be all about this. Now, I'm not telling you to make a living wage and to do something that supports your family. What I'm saying is if you have a choice and a decision to make, the best position may not be the one that, that nets you the most money. The best position is always going to be the one that you say, I get to do this. And so I will tell you, I've been at these crossroads many times in my life. When I went to college, I didn't start out saying I want to do human resources. Actually, I do human resources because somebody put me in a position when I was still in college and said, you work really well with people, so I'm going to put you here in this position. But it wasn't human resources. It was in transportation. And I actually worked 10 years in the transportation industry, working in DOT compliance as the DOT compliance officer, safety officer, OSHA compliance officer. And I worked in that realm for 10 years. Now, that is closely related to human resources. Actually, it's just one thing away from being an HR generalist with everything that you have to do, but I never looked at myself as being an HR person ever. But what happened was I got laid off because transportation industry was a dying industry when I was in it, and I got laid off from two jobs in a row. So in, in each of those positions, I was working like at least two or three years, but because of the industry itself, it was at no fault of my own, I was getting laid off from these jobs. My husband looked at me, my husband who has a degree in HR, who doesn't work in HR, who has never worked in HR, who <laughs> never worked in HR, and he said, you know you do HR, right? And I'm like, no, I don't. He goes, you hire people, you terminate people. <laughs> 
you do the workers comp, you do the OSHA, you do, you do so many different things. He goes, you're a DOT compliance officer or a safety officer, but you are actually doing HR work and you have been for years. And I applied for my first generalist role after that and decided to take a turn in my career and leave the transportation industry and move into a different industry. I would have never thought to do that on my own, but I, for the first time, wasn't worried about getting laid off from a position again. I wasn't going to work being fearful that is this company going to go under like the last one did. And these were great and wonderful companies that were doing really well. It's just with new regulations and things that were happening, it just kind of fell apart. Um, You know, it took somebody else saying, this is what you're good at. This is what you're doing. And that's actually how I started my career path in the beginning. I have a degree in legal studies. I was going to be a lawyer and I still really was driven to be a lawyer and human resources and the DOT compliance and all of that still had a very, I was still working in DOT law and regulations and I was working in employment law for years. So I was fully fulfilled and I used my degree a lot more than I ever thought I would, but that's not what I was going to school for. You know, I had this different path that I had in mind And I just adapted it because I was put into a position that I was happy with. And when I graduated with my degree, instead of going off and going to law school, I decided to stay with what I was doing because it made me happy at the time. So there's nothing wrong with making those decisions. Um, I I have a niece and nephew who are in college right now and another nephew that's starting college. And the one piece of advice I always tell them is when you decide that it's not the right path for you to walk down, make the choice to go down the right path. Don't stick with it because you've got so much time that you've been walking down that path. And they kind of look at me and and I'm like, you guys know what I do. I have my own business right now. I don't think I'm not successful, (laughs) you know? And they're like, no, you have your own business. You're like, you do what I want to do someday, you know, things like that. And I'm like, so my piece of advice is when you figure out you're not walking down the right path, make sure that you figure out the next path you need to walk down. It may not be 100% where you're going to end up in what path you truly need to be on, but it's going to be one step closer to that path. And you always need to make that decision when you know you're not on the right path. And that has been the one thing that I've been lucky enough to do and have the courage to do because I know many people in my life that have degrees that they will never use because it's something they never want to do. But because they were so far into getting that degree, they continued down the path with it and and did it. And they never changed the majors because I have to get out of college in four years. It took me seven years to get my degree, which is fine because I decided to change my major a few times to figure out exactly where I needed to be. And, you know, where I started in pre-med. So I did a complete 180 from pre-med into law. Uh, But I had a few different changes there. But I was fortunate enough to be able to, to have the strength to do that and have the support behind me to do that as well and to make those different choices. So each and every one of my nieces and nephews, I'm like, as soon as you figure out this is not what you want to do, figure out how to make the change to what you want to do. And that's what you're supposed to do in college. You're supposed to figure out what your what your path is, where you want to go. And, and I'm like, 
after working 20 years in an HR capacity, I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. And I said, I created my own path after that. Not all of us are lucky enough to be able to do that. But if you can, always sidestep to the path you're supposed to be on. Thank you so, so much. I feel like you read my mind because um, I've just been listening. And then one of the questions I had was like, okay, so if I'm in the wrong place, like how do I get enough courage and confidence to make a change, which you clearly just <laughs> answered with your own experience. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm going to, the truth of the matter is nobody was sitting there going, being my cheerleader and saying, yes, do this, you know, in every step of the way it was me listening to what I truly knew was right for me and understanding that it's going to be, it's not going to be the easiest thing, but later on it's going to be the best thing. So it's not always the easy choice to make. The easy choice is to stay in the comfortable, but nothing good ever happens in the comfort zone. Oh, that is so true. And such a hard lesson to learn sometimes. <laughs> it truly is. And it's, it's when you step outside of your comfort zone that you truly, you know, get to do great things. And it's not that staying comfortable is bad and that you should be uncomfortable always. It's you, one of my biggest fears is speaking in public. And I'm a speaker. <laughs> and there's a wonderful story that's behind it. I almost left a job that I truly loved because they wanted me to speak in front of a group of 30 people. And they wanted me to do this on a weekly basis and teach, which is my true passion. I truly love teaching people things. And it was one of those things that um, they, they asked me to do this and they gave me this great, wonderful opportunity to do it. And I was preparing to leave the organization because of it and leave this dream job that I had building HR for a company because that's exactly what I was doing. They never had an HR department before and I was building it from the ground up. And I loved every single minute of doing that. I mean, this was like, just if I could ever have written a job that I truly loved, this was it, except for this one little thing that they wanted me to do. And I remember calling my husband and saying, I've got to leave my job and I've only been here two months. And he's like, why? And I'm like, because I can't speak in front of people because I'm deathly afraid of it. And I get really sick each and every time. I don't sleep. I don't eat. My stomach turns. I get the butter. I get not only butterflies, I get like, you know, butterflies times a thousand. And, you know, it was one of those nice things that showed me what my path was supposed to be. So sometimes we have to take those opportunities when they're presented to us and really run with them. And what happened was I had six months to develop these programs they wanted me to speak with and they trimmed them down. And after they heard my first one that I was, I was doing workshops and training is what they wanted me to do. But I had a death, death fear of speaking in front of more than five people at a time. And I couldn't do it. And I, every time I had to speak in front of more than five or maybe sometimes up to 10 people, like I could speak to a boardroom, I would get really nervous though. And I would get so sick and I would freeze. And I knew I was going to do this. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. So I developed the workshop. They loved it. 
And they asked me to start it within six weeks instead of six months after I developed the first one. So I had no time to find a new role and I had to do this. So I'm like, well, I'm going to get fired because I'm not going to be able to do this thing they want me to do. And it's such a funny story because my fear was just encompassing me. My fear is rooted in rejection. It's rejection of people not accepting what I'm saying and accepting me for what I'm doing. The embarrassment of making a mistake, all of that rolled into this, this ball of fear. And the very first thing I did in front of the 30 people was fall flat on my face, no kidding, literally tripped over a cord and fell flat on my face got up and said, well, now that I've done that, that's about the worst thing that could possibly happen to anyone. <laughs> I got up and I was completely fine. And I did my workshop. I did my hour and a half of training and delivered it flawlessly from that point on. And I made mistakes while I was doing it, but it was, I wasn't concerned about making a mistake because I had just done it. I had just done the absolute worst thing you could ever do in front of an audience and I survived <laughs> and I figured out how to overcome that fear from that. And I was going to give up that opportunity to do something that led me into what I'm doing today. I love speaking in front of you. I'm still scared to death of it. It's still my biggest fear, but it is something I'm truly passionate about doing. And I love it once I get past the first five minutes and it is a career for me now. And it's, it's me being able to share my passion with other people. And I couldn't do that. I wouldn't be fully fulfilled if I had given that up and, and left that job and, you know, anything with that. So it's being able to recognize when an opportunity is in front of you and being able to overcome the fear to take that opportunity as well. Oh, I love that. Thank you. The difference between avoiding something or like changing your path because of the I have to versus overcoming fear and learning and growing from that experience. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, you're welcome. It's, it's one of my favorite stories because I, I usually tell it when I'm speaking and people are like, oh my God, you're like an amazing speaker. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Believe me, you don't see me before I get on stage. I am pacing. I am I am a ball of nerves. I am absolutely one of those people that you would think has never spoken before ever. And they're like, you can't tell. And I'm like, I know how to mask my fear. I've been doing it for so long. And, but again, just knowing how to grasp onto that opportunity. It's not comfortable. It shouldn't be comfortable. It's, it, I, it took me so far outside of my comfort zone. It was like, I was in a different hemisphere almost uh, outside of my comfort zone, but it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. So. Thank you. It's so inspiring to hear how other people have gone out of their comfort zone and have grown so much from that and the, how they experience more joy in their lives because of that. Um, so I really appreciate you sharing that with us. I would love to ask you another question, but it's a little bit switching gears about how Let's say that you are pursuing your passion, you know you have your why, you know how you contribute to the world, and you're building a business around that. Something that we talk about a lot with my clients is identifying your target market. 
And I wanted to get your insight to see how you could consider the whys behind your target market as you are identifying, like going through the process to select who your target market is. This is, this is something I actually teach my clients as well. So I work with a lot of startups and people who are just starting businesses. It's, it's a passion of mine because it was, it was something where I had, no, I had really no one around me who had ever been in a business. So I couldn't just go and reach out to somebody for advice readily. And so I happened to have some really good mentors around me that I could go to and ask advice of, but I decided to be that for people as well. So, you know, and, but I didn't want to pigeonhole myself and say, I'm only going to work in this industry. I'm only going to work with startups. I'm not, I'm not going to do this. So there is something um, for years I've taught salary negotiation and because I was in human resources and I used to teach behavioral interviewing and salary negotiation as workshops here locally with the colleges and things like that. And the one thing that I always teach people is to understand their walkaway statement for when they're going to walk away from something. So it translates into business as defining the clients you want to say no to and saying no to them. And the reason why you do that is because you gain so much confidence when you know what you're going to walk away from. So what I normally tell my clients is first, you need to build a network of people to refer people to, because you just don't want to walk away and say, no, this is a potential client and they may be your target audience later. So you don't just want to say, no, I'm not going to work with you and walk away and say, ha ha, so bad, so sad, so bad for you. You want to actually say, I am not the right person for you. And here's why. But I have somebody that you want that will be a better person for you. So as a business coach, a business coach is such a generic term. I focus specifically on helping people build business foundations. I help people with sales, but I focus on the behavioral side of things and helping people discover their why and define who they are and how they make choices and decisions. That's a very unique thing in the business coaching world. There are people who focus on taxes. There are people who focus on finance. There are people who focus on just building a business plan. There are people who only focus on this sector of the world, they only focus in this area. So if you have 50 business coaches in the room, I bet not two of them do the same thing. We all do something that we're uniquely focused on because that's how we survive. And so I love walking into a room full of coaches because I'm like, and what do you do? Okay, I have clients that could really use you because that's not my thing. And I just build my network of who does the same thing I do. And it's not just in the business coaching world. If you're in finance and you're a tax professional, you may focus on small to medium-sized businesses and enterprise businesses are not your thing. So you want to make, make sure that they have, you know, who they can go to and things like that. So you want to build your referral network first. And then you want to define exactly who you're going to walk away from. And you're saying, okay, they do this, they do this. And it helps you define who you're going to walk away from because you're like, they're really good at that. And that's not something that I'm really good at. And I don't know if I'm going to be as good as they are in that. And I don't know if I want them as my competition in that. <laughs> so it really helps you narrow your focus down in doing so. And then once you do that, you define your walk away and you know who you're going to say no to because it allows you to have so much confidence 
And in the same breath, you're still keeping them as a potential client later. You really are. Even if you're not their person today, you may be their person or they may refer somebody to you because it holds that respect. Because you're saying, I don't want to waste your time. So what I'm going to do for you is introduce you to somebody who's a colleague of mine that is going to take care of you and help you with your issue. So you really get to have that focus on everything. I couldn't agree more. That's amazing. Um, And so insightful. You've just provided so much value and gold for us today. Uh, Where can our listeners go to learn more about you and to learn more from you? Uh, so um, anybody can go to my website. It's www.thegrowthcoachdenvermetro.com. Again, thegrowthcoachdenvermetro.com. Or um, you can find me on Facebook, and it's gonna, my Facebook page is The Growth Coach Denver Metro. So, um, and I have my up-to-date with all of my workshops and everything that I do right now, a lot of it's virtual. So but when I'm back in person, um, I'm there and anybody can reach out to me. I'm happy to give free consultations to anybody to help them understand really what my focus is. And if I'm not the right person, again, I love to refer them to other people that I know in the business. So thank you so much. It's been so wonderful having you with us, Jennifer. And I can't wait to learn more from you and um, I hope that we can have you on again. Oh, thank you so much. I enjoyed my time here and anytime I would love to come back and, and just chat with you. This was one of the best podcasts I've done in a while (laughs) conversation. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for listening to the female empowerment podcast. I truly appreciate you being here, and I would love it if you shared this amazing episode with a friend. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me at brandingforwomen.com or send me a message on Instagram. My handle is at brandingforwomen. See you next time.